Well, I'm hoping that I'm going to put smiles on your faces after I'm done today, uh, because I want to encourage you in the Lord to seek Him no matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstances are, because we're supposed to be smiling Christians. Did you know that? <laughs> Even in church, we're supposed to smile, okay, man? <laughs> This is not a funeral. This is a time for us to be happy, know that, you know, we have the good news of Christ, that he came to redeem us, save us, set us free, and handle all of our situations. The Bible says that in this world, you will have tribulations. Any of you have any tribulations? But it also says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So when we get in him and move with him and allow him to direct and to guide us, we will have victory in our lives. We will be overcomers. Isn't that good news? Yes. Amen. So the title of today's message is going to be, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Amen. <laughs> you ever been there? You get to a situation that I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of this one. Looks like I painted myself into a corner. Looks like I'm at the edge of the cliff. There's no way out. I don't know what to do. So we're going to talk about that today. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for bringing us together. We thank you that your word is rich. It's true. It's powerful, able to deliver us, set us free. So we thank you, Lord God, that your words will minister to us today. We ask you for it in Jesus' name and all agreed said, amen. So you have probably been in situations when you get to it and you are not equipped. You're not, you don't have enough knowledge or you may not have enough money. You may not have enough uh, willpower to overcome the situations that you're facing. And it grips your heart because it just overwhelms you. You know, uh, you may have to, at one point, you're, looks like you're going to lose your job, or maybe you have a sickness that's too much for you to, to overcome. You might have a, a bad investment that you've lost money, and you might, your spouse might say, oh, I want to get a divorce after 18 years, or whatever the situation is. It, it, it just grips you. You don't know what, it's like a left hook or a right cross that just hits you and knocks you on the floor, and you go, I don't know what to do. You've been praying You've been communing with the Lord, but this thing was a surprise attack. This thing came out of nowhere. You ever been there? And I want to tell you, I'm going to be a little bit transparent because I've had those in my life. My wife has had them in her life, and we've had to learn how to overcome. Amen? Amen. I was an assistant pastor at a church. I'd been there for 18 years, and my wife was the uh, secretary to the pastor. She had done work there as, as a... Uh, um, what do they call it? Special events coordinator. She worked in the tape department, and so she became secretary. And uh, the pastor was not a nice pastor. Can you imagine that? A pastor not being nice. I mean, he preached real good. The anointing was there. I mean, it was powerful, and he smiled and everything. But behind the scenes, he wasn't that way. You know, I like Ron. He says, I'm getting to know you, pastor, and, you know, I feel comfortable with you now after being, because I, I'm trying, I, I try to be not like what he displayed. And so he... I mean, in, in the meetings, he'd make people cry. I mean, he'd make them feel so bad, so low that they, you know, you, you try to do your best and he just acts like you just blew it. You just messed up. You just did the cardinal sin. You, what? And so my wife, you know, my wife, she likes to stand up to people and <laughs> she likes to tell it like it is. And she says, Pastor, you know, you're making people feel bad. You're making them feel like they're low and you're, you're not encouraging them. You're not walking in love. And he said, Really? And so she left, and he walks over to my office, and he said, you know what your wife just told me? I said, yeah, it's kind of true. <laughs> well, you're kind of out of here. <laughs> and two weeks later, 
out the door. Oh, yeah. Everything that we've done for 18 years, all the labor, all the relationships, uh, and, you know, he did give us a chance to say goodbye to everybody. They had a nice little service, and people came and hugged us and blessed us. But uh, there was a, it was a church of about 600, and 250 people left after we left because they said, if Pastor Chuck's leaving, something is wrong here. Because I was holding them together. I was making excuses for the pastor. Well, you know, he's just, you know, that's, you know, he's in a different realm and everything. And, but, <laughs> but he said, if you're leaving, we're leaving. I'm, we're out of here. So, so that's one of those, oh, my gosh, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You know, I've never been in that kind of situation. I've heard of other people that have had those kinds of problems. You know, in fact, I was talking to a couple of pastors at a pastor's meeting yesterday. They've had to go through some things as well. They were, they were trying to get, one pastor was trying to get a, um, a use permit to go into a, a facility, you know, where they could rent, and it just fell flat. The city turned them down. They had money invested. Everything went sour. And so he's like, oh, you know, limping. And I had this other pastor. He said he made a decision to put this person in eldership. And a lot of people didn't agree with it. And they left. They took their ties. They took their families. And they left. So he's like <laughs> limping. I go, I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling. You tell people things. And you try to help them and encourage them. And they leave because they don't want to receive it. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You have to look to the Lord and ask him to come in and take charge. Because now all of a sudden you have, uh, you, you know, you, you're, you're, uh, the odds are against you. There's nothing that you have done prior to that that you have any kind of uh, a history. And so you have to do something different. So let's look at this scripture because it was in the Bible as well. And I used this when I had that problem. Second Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 3, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. There's three armies coming against this king who was serving the Lord, kind of went away from the Lord a little bit, and all of a sudden all these armies come up against him. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you. Uh, say great multitude. That's a lot of people, right? A multitude is a lot, but a great multitude is a lot. And sometimes we have a great multitude of problems. You don't know where to start. You got healing just going wrong on you. Your finances are bad. You got relationship problems. All these things. You got work problems. A great multitude of problems are coming against you. And uh, from beyond the sea, beyond what you can see, and from Syria, and they are in Hazan, Tamar, which is in Gadi. And Jehoshaphat feared, that's the first thing you do, you feared, but he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So the first thing he did is what? After he feared, he set himself to seek the Lord. He didn't just seek the Lord, he set his heart in a place where he could seek the Lord to find out, you know, what can be done in this situation. So a lot of times we are in this situation where we are outnumbered, but I want to tell you something. God majors in helping people that are outnumbered, outwit, outstrength. The odds are against you, and he can help you. Let's look at this uh, multitude that's here. Great multitude. There's, there's people here, then all throughout the countryside, there's people coming against you. And they're not here just to talk. <laughs> they're here to take you out, Right? Now, so I, I want to tell you, in, in the natural, let's look at this. There's people that have overcome odds. The great Muhammad Ali, right? 
He was going to fight this guy called Sonny Liston, and Sonny Liston was the Mike Tyson of the day. I mean, nobody wanted to mess, mess with Sonny Liston. He had ties to the uh, mafia and to the underground. He was a fighter, and he, when he came into the ring, people were feared. They were fearful of him. And here this young Cassius Clay, 22 years old, just taunted him. Said, come on out, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you. I know he, he, he rented a bus and went to his house and was lashing at him. Finally, Sonny Liston said, okay, I'm going to fight you. And down he went. Well, actually, this is the second, second fight, but down he went. No, go back to Sonny Muhammad Ali. And, and so he, he took him out against all odds. Okay, then the next one was Joe Namath. Joe Namath, he was going to play the Baltimore Colts. And he was outnumbered. They said there's no way that they can win. They were a young upstart, American Football League, playing the great National Football League. And you know what he said when the, when the, when the uh, reporters started pressing him? He said, ah, we're going to win tomorrow. I guarantee it. Ooh. That's some brash talk, isn't it, from Broadway Joe Namath. He said, I will guarantee it. And guess what? They did. They beat him. They figured out how to beat him. They figured out that they had part of the line was old, and they just kept running towards that side. And they found out how to take care of the defensive uh, uh, quarterbacks, uh, defensive backs. And he said, I was reading about it last night. He said he got underneath the center and just stayed there for a long time, looking to see which way they were going to go because they were getting jittery. You know, they're just like they didn't know when he was going to snap it. So they had a plan. And they won, and this is a very iconic moment where he leaves the field saying, we're number one. I told you I was going to do it. We have to, be, we have to prophesy to ourselves that God is going to do it for us. I guarantee it. God is going to work in our lives. We have to believe that. Amen? There's another miracle called the Miracle on Ice. You know this one with the 1980 hockey team won the Olympics in hockey against Russia? And they were not figured uh, or... They didn't figure that they could win. They were, they were a bunch of amateurs playing professionals. All these guys had won six out of seven Olympics, and they were there. And somehow, some way, the Olympic team won. They had a plan, too. They had a strategy. They spread the field out, and they were rough on the, on the Russians. And the Russians misplayed them because they beat them before. So they just took their time. They relaxed. They took a, a week off to, you know, just to kind of chill. But the Americans were fighting, and they were practicing, and they were getting ready, and they whipped them. Amen? You're going to whip the devil because you have God on your side. Amen? So um, let's look at this next verse. It says, oh, our God, this is his prayer. Oh, our God, you will not judge them, or will you not judge them, for we have no power against this great multitude. Do you ever feel that way? I, I, Lord, I don't know what, I have no power. I have no, sometimes it's hard just to get out of the bed sometimes. Hard just to get dressed and go to work because you're just so maligned by things or you're so depressed about things. I have no power against this great multitude. And that's not a faith talk, right? That's just like the way it is sometimes. You ever been that way? Or am I just the only one sometimes? I very rarely get that way, but I've, I have been that way. I have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Hey, we ain't got the finances, we ain't got the power, we ain't got the might, we don't know what to do, but what? Our eyes are upon you. Let's look at this next. See, here's this guy, tight roping against, across what? 
Niagara Falls. I've been there, and I don't know what in the world he was thinking. But <laughs> I, I, I saw some quotes of tightropers. They say they see something, and they just have a desire to walk across it. That's, just their, that's what's on the inside of them. But he can't look at those waves, can he, or the falls. What does he have to look at? Let's look at this. He's looking right there. That little one-inch wire, that's what I'm, my eyes are on you, Lord. I'm not looking at the circumstances. I'm not looking at the situations. I'm keeping my eyes straight on you. Praise the Lord. So when you don't know what to do, what do you do? You do what you know what to do. You know what? To read the Bible, to call unto God, to proclaim his word, to praise him with all your heart and your might, and expect him to come in. Because see, it's okay if you don't know what to do. Because you know somebody that does know what to do, and that's the Lord God Almighty, amen? He knows what to do. So you keep your eyes upon him. And you do what you know to do. You say what you know to say. What do you know? You know God loves you. You know God cares for you. He has a plan for you. We know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We know that. We know that he hears us when we pray. We know that. We know that you see me, Lord, wherever I'm at, whatever's happening to me. And Lord, you're going to protect me. My, my boss uh, was giving me a hard time the other day. That's her job. I mean, that, she loves to do that. I don't know why it is. She does it to everybody. And finally, I just said, you just take enjoyment out of this, don't you? <laughs> giving us a hard time. She goes, yes, I do. <laughs> I said, okay. So I started like... You know, okay, if we're going to play this way, let's play, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so I went, I went to, to, to get some work out there, and she goes, oh, no, don't, don't get that batch. Get this batch over here. I go, well, this is the wrong batch. She goes, oh, let me see. She goes, oh, yes, I forgot. You have a halo around you. And I said, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you finally recognized it. <laughs> <laughs> So let's play. I mean, let's play, right? But she recognizes it. She knows that she can't come against me because I have God on my side. People can't come against you. They, you, you got God on your side. If you're on his side, if you're working with him, right? Amen? So, you know, he hears us. He hears us. And the Bible says in 1 John 5, I think it's uh, 17, this is the confidence that we have. That we know that when we pray, God hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we have the petitions that we desire of him. we got to know that. That's one thing you have to know. And it's okay if you don't know what to do, because guess what? You empty yourself, and you let God come in and let him do his work. So finally, you, you know, you, he can say, okay, you're finally giving up? Okay, great. Now I can go to work. Amen? So God does the work. And, and, and how do you call out to God? What do you do? Now, Psalms 34 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his afflictions. This poor man did what? Cried. Not boo-hoo. Oh, boo-hoo. No, cried, proclaimed. Lord God, I know you're there. Lord God, I know that you're here. Lord, you said you were going to heal me. Lord, you said, you said, you said. You proclaim it. I was talking, uh, I was telling Ivory that uh, my wife had this uh, back problem, and uh, she went to the chiropractic person, and they said, uh, it's an inflamed muscle. And so he gave her some things, and it cleared up a little bit, but then it came back. You know, some things are physical plus spiritual. You know that, right? 
So she was in bed, and she, she said, can you leave me alone for a little bit, for a minute? I got to do some crying <laughs> out to the Lord. <laughs> like, sure. And she cried. You know, it's not the, now I lay me down to sleep cry. <laughs> it's not the, Lord bless this food cry. You got to know how to cry from your heart. A heart cry unto, God, you said, surely you bore my sickness. God, you said, you are my, I know you love me, Lord. I'm asking you to come in now and heal my body. And it didn't take long. All of a sudden, she, hey, it's gone. She said, it was a miracle. And her whole countenance changed. Everything changed about her. Because she knew how to cry out to the Lord. You know, Jesus cried. He was not, not with Lazarus, but he was crying when he cried out and he said, he cried, the Bible says, he cried out into the streets, he that believeth on me shall never perish but have everlasting life. He was crying out, is anybody going to hear me? For crying out loud. <laughs> Sometimes you have to get that way with the Lord, amen? He wants to see, are you serious enough to want to petition me and to cry out and to join heart, Amen. So, so, God, so if you don't know what to do, it's okay. Because the Bible says when we are weak, what? We are strong in him. When we're empty, God can, can supply. We know that his grace is sufficient for us. Let his grace come upon us. Praise God. So when you're confused, you're bewildered, you're lost, you're going, thing, going through things, you don't know what's going to happen, you believe in God. I mean, we learned that. I learned that with my wife, you know, a couple times. Well... The first time I learned it is, you know, we got married in a fever, <laughs> hotter than a pepper sprout. <laughs> we, we only knew each other 10 weeks before we got married. It was instant love, okay? <laughs> and then one month later, she got pregnant. I don't know how that happened, you know what I mean? It's just a great prayer meeting, and all of a sudden, hey, I'm pregnant. What happened to that? And, and so, so then... She can't work because she's pregnant. She's, she was the salesperson. And I'm going like, okay, that's good. I married this girl. <laughs> she's, you know, making good income, making good money. Now she's pregnant. She can't work. Now what do I do? <laughs> but we found out that you can claim disability when you're pregnant. So she was working a job the year before, was making more money, so she actually wound up making more money being pregnant. Than, than working. Hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> yeah, you knew. You knew ahead of time. But what, guess what? He had to get the answer to us. We didn't know that. And let me see if this next... If this. So what happened was, in, in this Chronicles, they proclaimed a fast all, throughout all of Judah, and then they um, uh, set their heart to seek the Lord. And then a... Not a prophet, just an ordinary guy, ordinary person, had the Spirit of the Lord come upon him and said this, listen, all you Judah and all your inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, and you king, Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what we're looking for. And thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. If you're on God's side, guess what? When they fight you, they're fighting him. You got to say, Lord, you see what they're doing here? You see what's happening? And the trick, and this is the secret, 
You ready? This is worth the price of admission, I want to tell you. This is a secret. It was a small person, an unknown person, a person that wasn't recognized that got the Spirit of the Lord upon him to prophesy to Jehoshaphat. So I learned that. I said, when I'm in trouble, I start talking to people. I don't know who it's going to be, but God is going to show me someone or through someone where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. So when, I, when we had to leave that pastor job that I had for 18 years, they gave me a little severance pay. Well, pretty nice severance pay, but I was out on my own. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, is this the end of the rope? Am I done? Is this the end of my pastoring career? Because I've been there all my life. I was raised there. I was uh, ordained there. And so I was just praying and praying. And I was looked in Ephesians. I fell asleep. And I looked up and it says, and he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, right? He said, you're, you're still a pastor. I go, okay. So I asked all my friends that I knew, you know, I'm going to be leaving here. You know, you have a position, blah, blah, blah. And it was a little receptionist. I, I, I had a list of about 18 people. And on it was Naja and, and Naja Hall. And I went to her, I go, you know, I'm going to be leaving here pretty soon. Is there anything? She says, I know somebody at APU who's a, who's a counselor. And go to him. So I went to him and he said, I know somebody that has a church right down the street that needs an assistant pastor. I went there, Neighborhood Christian Fellowship, and I wound up getting a job there. And we lost our house because we couldn't make the payments. We actually gave the house to the pastor that fired me. And <laughs> it gets complicated, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. What do you do when you don't know? What, what do you, you know, first, am I mad? Am I sad? What, you know, like, what's happening here? And uh, so I was, since we didn't have a house, they had a parsonage that we could stay in the house. And so everything worked out together for the good. But I had to do the same thing here that Jehoshaphat had. I had to seek the Lord. I had to pray. I had to look for an answer. Usually it's somebody small, somebody that you don't know. I, I know one time, and I'm, I'm just being transparent today. One time I was, uh, I was uh, 20 years old, and I was in college, and they had the draft. You guys ever remember, anybody remember the draft? You know, where you go and they, they pick your birth date, and then that year, whatever number you are, you go, you know? And so I thought, my luck, I wasn't saved then, but my luck, I'll probably be down there 300 or something like that, because there's 365 days in a year. And so I can remember, and I, I was... Like I said, not saved, so I went to the liquor store, and I said, I'll get, I'll get a, a six-pack of beer, because I know it's going to take a while, and I'll just, you know, sip on the beer, relax, and then I'll get, my name will come. I was in the liquor store, and I hear my name come up, number nine, my birthday, number nine, November 22nd. I go, I didn't even get home. I said, well, give me the beer anyway, man. <laughs> I'm going to need it to soak my sorrows. <laughs> So there I am, you know, when I know when I graduate college, I'm going to be in the draft. And I'm not good in Army. I tell you, I just don't play well, you know. <laughs> it's a get, we were talking about that, right? You got to get up early. You know, people tell you what to do. And I'm your mama and all that. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, the, the running and all this. I remember when I was playing uh, baseball for El Camino College, and we went to the Marines, 
And we played the Marines, and they were good. They were very good. Because if they make errors, they're, you know, out doing drills and maneuvers. And, but I remember going into the, uh, the, 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 where they have the food, the, what do they call that? Mess hall. Mess hall. And the guys were putting the slop on the food, you know, and they don't, don't join this, don't, join, don't come to the Marine, don't come, you know, like, okay, we're not trying to come anyway, you know, we're not joining. So anyway, I've had this in my heart, I'm going like, I'm in trouble, you know, as soon as I finish my college, I'm off, and I tried everything that I could. So one day, I was sitting at my friend's house, and his mom comes through, it was New Year's Eve, and his mom comes through, and they just made a rule that if you drop your deferment before the first of the year, you won't have to go into the service because there's not going to be any drafts for the next three months. Kind of a technicality. And I said, what? So yeah. So I quick wrote a letter, had to get it postmarked at the airport before midnight, and I got out. I, got, they, I, I reduced my, I mean, I canceled my deferment, my student deferment. So I waited the three months, and I was free. But it was somebody I didn't know would know that. I didn't know that. But God. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. But God. <laughs> who knows all things knows how to get the answer to you. So the secret is when you don't know what to do, God knows. And God can bring the answer to you through sometimes not even a big, powerful person, but someone that just knows you that God impresses to tell you things. Amen. Because the battle's not yours. You belong to him. He's your daddy, your real daddy, amen? And he loves you. Amen. Let's look at this. Now, how about some miraculous times? Do you remember? Um, Kurt Gibson, number 23. I was there watching it when he came up to the hit in, in the World Series, and he was limping, and he could barely walk, and he tried to swing the bat, and he just couldn't. And all of a sudden, they said, you know, we want you to pinch hit. And there's a man on first, and they're down one run, and they needed a home run. And no way in the world could that happen. But guess what? He studied, and they told him, if you get to a 3-2 pitch in late innings, this pitcher is going to throw you a backdoor slider. This is kind of complicated, but a backdoor slider means it goes this way like that. And so what he did was he just put his bat out right there. He knew where, exactly where it's going to be, and boop, out home run. Amen? So he was pretty excited, pretty shocked, pretty amazed. And the announcer says, I can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> and that's what you're going to say when God delivers you. I can't believe what I just saw. Amen? He majors in when you're outmatched, when you don't have uh, your ability. This next uh, person here, remember this girl, Carrie Strug? She's in the Olympics, and she's hurt her ankle so bad that she didn't think that she could compete again. They needed her to do one more vault. They couldn't bring in a substitute. So they said, Carrie, we need you to do it. She, but she's thinking, I can't land on my leg because it's hurt. It's damaged. So let's see what happens. She did a perfect landing on one foot. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. She damaged herself so bad. Next picture. She couldn't even go receive her medal. The coach had to carry her. Amen? So we're talking about things that you need to do uh, or, or what to do when you don't know what to do. 
And uh, so do you want to know what the end of the story is on this person, on, this, on, this, uh, on these people? God said, <laughs> thank you. God said, when you don't know what to do, seek me. So let's see what happens. Now, when they had begun to sing and to praise, like Ivory said, the Lord set ambushes against all the people. You know what that means? Confusion. They started fighting amongst themselves and bickering, and they started fighting each other and killing each other. That's pretty good. Your enemies are going to fight against you, and I've had that happen at work where they're, you know, trying to come against me, and I just pray, and I walk, come in the morning, and everything's settled. Everything's at peace. Yeah, I like that. The Lord set ambushes against all the people who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Zir to utterly kill and destroy them. How could they do that? They come against each other and beat each other up so that there's nobody left. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. That must have been some side, huh? You know, that was, a, that was this evil spirit that came on them. You know, a confusion. And they beat each other up. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were nothing but dead bodies falling on the earth. No one escaped. What did, what did the prophet said? The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. You don't need to fight in this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Why? Because they set their face to the Lord. They sought him and God delivered them. Okay, the next scripture, last scripture. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, <laughs> they found among them an abundance. Say abundance. abundance. He didn't just deliver them. He said, I'm going to give you an abundance of spoil. I like that of valuables on the dead bodies and the precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil. Oh, come on, talk to oh, did, You see what we, what, God turned something around. It looked like devastation and disaster, but God turned it around and said, not only am I going to take care of them, I'm going to bless you abundantly. And they, three days gathering the spoil, spoil because there was so much. Then I like this. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. Ooh. And for God gave him rest all around. Don't you want rest? Don't you want peace in your situation? But the first thing that happened was there's, there's an army. There's a multitude. There's problems. There's troubles coming against you. Don't worry. God's got it covered. I wish we knew the end of our story before it happened, didn't, don't you? <laughs> so I've used this illustration in my own life. When I had trouble, set my heart to seek the Lord, look for the answer from someone that's around me. God's going to get it to me. And so here's the summary of today's message. Next uh, slide, last slide. First, we see the bad news. Some people just quit on the bad news. <laughs> they get overwhelmed, right? And then they go around telling all their neighbors and friends, oh, you know, my life is a mess. Things are just not working out for me. Oh, me, oh, my. But you don't stop there. You seek God. God gives you a promise. God gives you a strategy. And then he manifests the results of the promise gives you an abundance of spoil, and then gives you rest. This is the formula. This is the way God works. 
Now, you say, well, why can't we just have a nice, peaceful life? Why do we have to go through all this? Well, it's the fall of man. The devil is out to get us. But guess what? Don't feel bad that you have to go through these things because when you go through these things, you get strong. You get powerful. You get mighty. You learn how to use the Lord for your good. If I went into the gym and I only worked out with 10 pounds of weight, you think I'm going to get strong? No. I got to work out with what? 30, 40, 50? Because it's, it's the resistance that makes me strong. It's the resistance that we have in this world that makes us strong. So don't look at it like, oh, woe is me. Look at it, okay, well, let's see. This is a chance for me to exercise my faith, to see God work in my life, and to see things happen for his good. And that he'll get the credit, he'll get the glory, and all we can say is, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us here together to show uh, ways that we can overcome situations that we're facing in our life, that we're not alone in this world, but we have you to fight our battles. I thank you that, Lord, as we seek you and ask you to do something that we don't know what to do, we know that you have the answer, you have the solution to the problem. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor ahead of time before we see the answer because we know that you are victorious and you said that we would be victorious, trusting in you. So we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, and all agreed, said, amen. amen.